What really moved me about her story when I seen it, when it was shared with me, she makes it, she's not out to, you know, build Rome. She's not out to build this or do that, or she's not out to whatever. She's out to do it one person at a time. It's all she, she's just worried about that person who's in front of her, one person, one moment at a time. There's something significant about that, Toby. Yeah, there is, and I, there, I would, I would just say something on that. That why she is making a difference. So many, there are a lot of people that care for the homeless, for homeless people. There's a, you know, in Fort Worth particularly, and I know across the country, there are a lot of people that that have a desire to help. Where oftentimes it goes to, though, it's more of that transactional type of helping, meaning. Let me give you a sandwich. Let me give you a dollar bill. Let me give you a sleeping bag. Things. It's transactional. And although that is helpful in the moment, it doesn't get to the heart of the matter to where it would make a difference. So what this person, this lady is doing is she's not doing the transactional type of assistance. She's doing the relational approach to where she is developing a relationship and she's getting to know that homeless person not as a homeless person, but as a person. And that's where you begin to help someone rebuild their self-esteem and to be able to see that there's value there. And uh, so going away from that transactional helping to relational helping, that's where it's at. That's where you see real progress. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Though the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. One of the most uh, interesting and commonalities we're finding in a lot of stories, uh, it's the fact that uh, there's a passion and a need and a desire for a lot of people, really, truly. And that's what the Brink of Greatness is all about, friends, is that want to do good out there, that want to help people, that want to make a difference. Uh, when we developed this program, this platform, The Brink of Greatness, uh, it really was uh, designed to bring great stories to light and talk about people that are on the front lines making a difference. Um, one of the commonalities that always connect these stories uh, is faith. Faith and, um, and the aspiration to do good out there. And, there. and there's a lot of good out there, friends. As I tell you all the time, you just won't see it on the 6 o'clock news but you'll hear it here, <laughs> for sure here. It's Malcolm Out Loud here, Kevin Williams, and uh, we're welcoming you to the brink of greatness here. Um, this is, uh, you, you, Kevin, another very unique story here as we meet here today, our brink thinker, and talk about what's happening. And, and the area, a, a lot of cities, how many times you talk about our cities, our urban areas, but uh, Fort Worth, Texas is what where we'll 
our destination will be today. It is sort of a destination when you take a look at the map, Kevin, and you you almost feel like you're we're driving a car here and we're on one road to the next and see what next what what is the next interesting story that comes up or the next interesting marketplace and who's making a difference and an impact. Um, homelessness is a big problem out there, isn't it, Kevin? I mean, I mean, you're moved by it all the time when you and I find these unique stories and people who are making a difference. But one thing we find is there are people out there who truly passionately care. Uh, absolutely. And I just think of the interview we had with Jock from, uh, you know, Augusta, Georgia. That's right. And he was dealing with homeless himself one-on-one with people. And one of the things that they were looking at was a transition center. Because he realized sometimes when we look at homeless, we think, well, why don't they get a job? What's the problem? <laughs> and he said, and he made it clear to us that a lot of these, a lot of times, these pl- people don't have social security numbers or birth certificates or anything to prove who they are and to get the job. So when I looked at the Presbyterian Night, Night Shelter and Project uh, Clean Slate, I also read that they do, they are the transition center that Jock was kind of looking at, and I thought, wow. They are doing those things that are necessary to take people off the street and help them change their lives and then move on and and actually uh, fulfill productive lives and and feel good about themselves and helping others. So it kind of touched me and I had to reach out immediately to Toby and and find out if he'd be willing to join the call and, and share with us all the goodness that they're doing in Fort Worth, Texas. Well, I'd like you to meet today, friends, Toby Owen. He's the uh, Chief Executive Officer uh, of the uh, Presbyterian Night Shelter in Project Clean Slate. Uh, It's a long name, Toby, for sure. When I read it initially, I said, what is that exactly, huh? Uh, So welcome to the Brink of Greatness, sir. And uh, how big of a problem is homelessness in Fort Worth? So in Fort Worth, there are, on any given night, there are about 2,000 people that are homeless, and that is uh, men, women, and children. And then every year, about 7,000 people will experience homelessness throughout the year uh, within our county, uh, Tarrant County. Um, So that's the broad county, but of course the majority are in Fort Worth because it's the largest city within the county. Now in Fort Worth, uh, what, uh, how many millions there? What size city are we talking um, well, the city of Fort Worth is, I believe it's the 15th largest city in the nation. Wow. It's around 850,000 or so just okay. in Fort Worth. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but obviously with, the, with that Fort Worth market, I'm talking Dallas now because a lot of times it's called Dallas-Fort Worth, but Fort Worth market. So we're talking probably, you're probably talking a couple of million in the suburban areas in that whole Fort Worth area, Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's uh, probably more than that. Okay, um, cool. Sure, yeah. All right, right. so there's a major market, major market. And when you take a look, uh, Toby, in your studies thus far, and you take a look at homelessness there when you mentioned a couple of thousand, how does that relate to other markets? Uh, Do you know the answer to that around the nation? Are there more or less per capita there than there are in other areas? Uh, No, it's actually a little bit lower uh, than other areas in across the nation. There are uh, four areas, states, that have the largest uh, percentage of homeless individuals. So one would be the state of New York, primarily New York City, uh, and then California, uh, and then you have Florida, and then also Texas. Um, If you'll note, well, New York City is so large, that's why they have so many. 
-hmm. And then if you look at Florida, Texas, and California, the weather is mm -hmm. is right. quite nice where the uh, where a lot of people go. Toby, do you think that Americans are uh, aware of how big of a problem homelessness is in the nation? You know, that's a good question. I think those that uh, that get involved in helping, they certainly see that. And um, uh, but for a lot of people, it's 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 really not a part of their day to day life unless they run into somebody that they they believe to be homeless. Um, so it's kind of a mixed bag. Some people do and uh, some people don't. Certainly in large cities, people do because you see more. But in the rural areas, probably not. Yeah. So, we're, we're, I mean, we're seeing this is such a common problem. It's far too common. I hope there's one day it's not as common as it appears to be. Uh, and a lot of people don't relate because if you haven't been homeless or have a loved one homeless, how could you possibly relate to understanding? One of the things I find about these stories, Toby, is that almost always, uh, I don't know exclusively, but almost always, circumstances uh, happen in people's lives. They never plan to be there. They don't make an appointment to be homeless. They don't, it's not something they put on the schedule for the following week or the following year or some point chapter in their life. Circumstances typically take them there. Something dramatic happens in their life. Something takes place. Uh, there's a disconnect between them and other families and, and friends and associates they may have known in one, at one point of their life. And then they find themselves in this awkward moment of life. And, uh, but there, there seems to be a commonality of that where things have fallen apart and, and, and they don't know how to get out of it. Is that a fair assessment? Or? Yeah, it is, really. Uh, people don't become homeless overnight, certainly. It's usually uh, a mixture of, of different circumstances. You know, there are some very rare cases that someone may become homeless um, overnight. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many right. years ago, probably uh, right. eight or ten years ten years ago when uh, Hurricane Katrina mm -hmm. hit New Orleans. Right. Uh, that was certainly an event that... Um, That's right. That's right. People living in poverty, that uh, their homes were gone and immediately they were homeless. That's, That's right. a circumstance. Another one that comes to mind that happens um, all too frequently is... A 17-year-old foster child that turns 18 and, and uh, is either uh, released by their foster parents or the, the system, that's another example. Uh, but again, you're right. The majority of people mm -hmm. uh, do not become homeless after one event. It is a, it's kind of just a, a slow process. When, when you, you interact with a lot of homeless people on a day-to-day -day basis, what is the one commonality uh, if you were to say there's one, like, beautiful thing about homeless people, I I'm really curious about this. Now, what is the most um, interesting, beautiful thing that you see a lot in homelessness? Is there something that stands out in your mind that maybe we're not aware of as in the public, of something that you say this is, represents a lot of homeless people? What what would that be? That's a that's an interesting question, and it kind of, takes a different spin mm -hmm. on uh, what we see. But I, I tell you what, probably the, one of the most consistent things that you see is just their ability to survive. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that all of the circumstances that take place, all of the situations, uh, I think the one key thing is people are able to adapt and are able to survive quite a bit. And uh, in a lot of cases, resiliency, being able to bounce back to improve their life. 
Yeah. No, that's that's right. That's uh, I'm glad you say it the way you say it there because it, it you have to have that resiliency. And you're right. I, I think that, that that would be a connecting force with a lot of these people. What And there are a lot of circumstances that put them there. There's no one recipe for this, so we can't say what's the one. There is no one thing. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Uh, from your vantage point, then, with, with this organization, tell us about, there's a history with the Presbyterian Night Shelter. And so I, there's a saying, Toby, that I, I hear sometimes, and it's, 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 sometimes it's at a conflict. And it's like, do we give a, a hand up or a hand out? And this whole thing of need, uh, the problem is there are homeless people that are very much captured. Uh, they're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcohol, narcotics, things of this nature that not only affect their mind and their ability to get up out of that, but, you know, there are other considerations there. I don't know what the percentages are, but I know that plays a part of this somehow. But I, you see where I'm going? So I'm wondering now, with, with all of these people uh, and that you're all dealing with, uh, oh, it, certainly in the Fort Worth area there, how do we help them? I mean, the hand up or hand out, hand up or hand out. We have this, there's this, you know, a lot of times you're worried about, are they really, what are they going to use the money for? Or what are they going to use this for? And I think that's something, my guess is, just looking at your program briefly, I, I think it's something you probably have all caught on to. And so you're probably, I, I want you to help us understand and explain to people that I, I, my guess is the focus of what you're doing is trying to give people more of a, a, a hand up and not a handout. No, you're right. Um, absolutely. I'll say it in a, in a different manner, but um, uh, yeah, you're definitely right. So you often, you know, you hear the, the analogy, hand up, not a handout. Another analogy you hear is don't, uh, don't give a person a fish, teach them how to fish. Oh, I like that. Well, so, so here's the thing, you, you know, you, you know, that's kind of used in a lot of different manners. So, don't just give them a fish. Teach them how to fish. Well, good grief. you got to have a tackle box, and you have to have a fishing pole, and you have to know where to go uh, to, to catch the fish. So there's a lot between giving the fish and teaching the fish, and I kind of see that's what we do. Uh, we want to equip the people that walk through our doors to have a better life. We do not want people to live their entire life in an emergency shelter. Our shelter is just that. It's an emergency shelter. It is not meant to live long term in that type of setting. So when people come and they stay with us uh, because of whatever circumstances, we have a little over 700 people that will stay each night in our various locations. And we, we are grateful that we have that. We want to always have that piece of where we are the safety net for people to go. However, that's just the front door. We want to equip people that they can have a better life, and that is through a variety of programs that we offer because ultimately we want people to leave mm-hmm. and to, to re-enter mainstream society. So from giving a fish to teaching a fish, we give them a tackle box, we give them a fishing pole, we give them lures, we tell them where to go and uh, say, hey, this is where you can catch some fish. With ultimately, they're taking all of that equipment and they're going out on their own and they've been taught to fish, which means they're back into mainstream society, living on their own, and uh, not having to stay in an emergency shelter. All right. I want you to uh, think about, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the people you've helped, a lot of the stories that have come through there. Um, 
for us to really grab onto this and understand the gravity of this, give us a story, please, one of these unique real-life stories. This is real life we're speaking about now here. Uh, give us a story, as a case study, if you will, uh, of a particular case, one of the worst ones you've seen, and what the outcome was, and bring us forward. Let me let's 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 do this and understand really what what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So let me give a little context to what we have, and that may help a little bit. So um, <clears throat> we are the Presbyterian Night Shelter. We were established in 1984. Uh, three local churches came together. It was First Presbyterian, Saint Stephen's Presbyterian, and then Ridgely Presbyterian churches. Uh, they came together in 1984 to establish the Presbyterian Night Shelter. And the reason they did that is because um, in the winter of 1983, it was the coldest uh, winter on record in our area. And uh, there, the, the shelters were full at the time, and there was a man that froze to death outside. And of all places, Fort Worth, Texas, the man froze to death. Wow. And the three churches were just devastated by that, and they wanted to do something for the homeless community, and to create a shelter where anybody was welcome. Now, Toby, that was so, back in 1984, you said? when That, that was That's right, 1984. Yeah. And that was the impetus that sort of this man that froze to death. That uh, That's interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what got the, the three churches started. And it was only intended at the time to be open for a few months during the winter, and then it would close down and kind of see if they were needed the next year. But by the end of the first few months, there were about 200 people on average each night. And so it was at that point that they decided they would not close the doors, that they would become a bona fide 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, so since December the 10th, 1984, we've never closed our doors. We've always been open uh, to allow anybody that's homeless uh, the ability to come in and stay. So we've evolved a lot over the years. We've gone from uh, having a a temporary location in a gym and a it was a school at the time that had closed down and we were using the gym to where now we have um, quite a few different facilities to where we have about a little over 700 people like I mentioned that stay the night with us about 700 people a, on any given night that is any, yes yes sir any given night okay. All right. we have a men's shelter women's shelter we have a women and children's location okay. we have a veterans program a day shelter, and then we have a housing housing program where we have about 130 people living in the housing program that's in a few different spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know in a little while we'll talk about our Clean Slate uh, employment program, but we are a pretty large organization. Um, we, uh, we serve a little over 5,000 people a year in our shelter and then about 6,000 in our day shelter. Um, and so we, we're pretty broad in what we're able to do. Now, Toby, how do they have they get the resources? To, this all takes resources to do this, right? Boy, you got that right. Um, hmm. um, if you could see me, I don't have much hair because I worry about what we're going to do. I was just going to say I can't, but I can imagine. And, you know, the, the people, obviously, you're helping don't have the resources. These are not people that are going to be able to stay at the Ritz-Carlton or, oh, uh, no, or the no. Marriott, for that matter. So, so what is it that uh, where the resources come from? We get about 50% of our funding from uh, government grants that we have at all levels, from the city to the federal government. And then the other 50%, it comes from the community. It comes from individuals, foundations, uh, churches, variety of things. Um, And so it's 
Uh, we rely heavily on the community to help us support the homeless that come our way. Wow. I mean, what an operation. It is a wow. <laughs> I mean, what an operation that you've been able to do that and raise those kinds of dollars. And But that's having the wherewithal to be able to do that is impressive, I think. Uh, it's got to come back to the people who initially founded this. How long have you been involved in the organization, Toby, a CEO? Yeah, I uh, came to the Presbyterian Night Shelter in September of 2009. So I've been here. It'll be 10 years this September, so currently a little, a little over nine years. All right, And it had already been in play and had a history before you walked in. Yes, that's right. It certainly had been in play for a long time. And, and the question about the gym, when you just said that, that was before you came on or after with the gym, gymnasium? No, it was way before I came I thought on. so. I thought so. Yeah. I just wanted to get an idea in the mind of the uh, timeline here. But I could see as they were morphing and really trying to put this together, you become resourceful, uh, just like we talked about, because uh, the vision is there. The vision and the opportunity and the, the desire to help people, to want to help people do good. But again, I like this scenario and the idea of the fish we all know can relate to this hand up, hand out, or again, do you, you know, the fish or uh, give the guy the fish or do you show him how to fish? Obviously, we, the desire, if we're going to really help people across the nation, we're going to have to show people how to fish the best way we can. And this kind of comes back to basic principles as you look at this across the, the nation, I think. And because I'm thinking, like looking at your program, Toby, is like, how do we roll this out into more markets and more opportunities because there's I'm afraid that every some of these cities some of these towns some of these communities some of these districts across the nation are underwater I mean they're underwater big time with homelessness and they're being taken over by it in a very bad way this is a profound problem I think this is going to be one of the generational problems of of this generation that uh, if it's not if not addressed properly is going to cause uh, some of these cities to fail and some of these markets because they're losing they're losing and I, and I want to talk to you about that and, and as we get into the next chapter uh, they're losing um, oh god they're, they're losing uh, uh, tourism dollars they're losing you know residents people are moving out of these areas and these markets and then of course you have the crime factor all of that plays into it as well we'll pick all of this up friends with Toby Owen and you hear this a uh, highly unique story and trying to and this looks like this is almost a case study of what we're talking about today so at least the way I look at it in my mind this is like a case study here in really how to do this properly here um, let, let's continue on here in just a moment here be back on the brink of greatness the goal is to deliver a message of truth inspiration and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, friends, we're back with you here at the brink of greatness here, and that's Malcolm Out Loud here with Kevin Williams. We're speaking with Toby Owen, uh, the Presbyterian Night Shelter and Project Clean Slate. Uh, it's out of Fort Worth, uh, Texas. 
Uh, I always think when I think of Fort Worth, uh, Toby, I always think of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Or, of course, for the Fort Worth people would probably prefer to be said Fort Worth-Dallas. Uh, yeah, you got that. <laughs> I hear you. No, I know there's always a friendly rivalry there. At least I've picked that up over the years. Uh, but there's a unique heritage about that area. It's a, it's a magnificent area, really. Uh, but again, like all of our urban markets and our big cities, uh, they've become uh, very problematic and saturated with homeless people where people seem to get to. And I, I, I'm going to ask you something that may, may be proper to ask, maybe not proper to ask, but I'll probably do it anyways. That's hence the way I get the name out loud, I guess, from Toby. Uh, but uh, um, what do you attribute in all these cities and these markets? And I'm curious to know something from you, and I think all listeners would want to know, uh, why is homelessness such a problem, number one? And number two, how much of our politicians responsible for that, Toby? That's a good question, and it's a very complicated question, Is and the answer is complicated. So, you know, I think it's, it's a variety of things. Okay. Uh, poverty. Uh, poverty plays a significant role in it. Racism plays a role in it. Um, the, a lack of affordable housing is a significant uh, player in homelessness. Um, and then just you throw in other things such as mental illness, addiction, that certainly has right. issues with it, um, particularly mental illness, all kinds of uh, situations from depression to schizophrenia. But within now current day, Toby, within our current markets, our cities, the, the urban districts again, uh, I mean, you got to cringe yourself. I know I do when you see homelessness as big of a problem as it is in these cities and you know in in some cases it's a runaway train and you know in some cases you you know you know they're losing all kinds of money people are moving out but they're also losing tourism dollars and other things a lot of these cities are in the west coast not exclusively but there are quite a few there now that are these urban markets here um I mean, why have they gotten so bad? And I'm just, I'm just trying to, before we move out of that point, I mean, I, I get a sense we've kind of let, I, I think we've made a mockery out of, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm guessing this. I, you could correct me on any of this, please. But I, I, my guess is, as this generation, I think we've made, in some ways, we've kind of made a mockery out of this whole thing, this whole homelessness stuff, is the sense I get sometimes in looking at it. And the fact that we're not doing anything about it, and these cities are just, they're, we're just walking around the people, or all over the people, and they're multiplying. And, and my, is my visual wrong? And yet I don't think the, I don't get the sense that the political elites are doing a darn thing about it in some cases. Toby, tell me I'm wrong. Well, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a complicated situation. And it's a complicated answer. Um, I will say there are some locations that seem to not put as much emphasis on helping as other locations. And uh, when you have when you have government or political figures that pay attention and get involved, then you you begin to see a, a difference to where the numbers will go down or they'll stabilize and then and then begin to go down. Uh, but if you take your eye off the ball and you're not paying attention to it. And doing things to try to help correct homelessness—that's when you can tend to have uh, the numbers con- uh, numbers increase. And um, so it really depends on where you're looking and what you're doing. And uh, you know, you also have to realize the weather plays a big factor in the number of homeless individuals and the size of the cities. 
and uh, that that definitely will impact places such as Southern California, just because the weather is nice, uh, you'll have more people. And uh, I will also certainly say that um, it's you have more people that are there and sometimes less involvement or less emphasis on helping or getting people off of the streets that tends to to play into things as well. So, you know, it's it's a complicated answer. And yeah, no, that's some that's true. politicians pay attention to it, and yeah. and some tend not to. Well, that's I'm a recipe. It's, it's a recipe for disaster. What you just said, <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. You know, uh, which is, I think, what we got in some cases. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering nationally, are we are we doing? I'm I'm just I took this liberty having a smart guy like you on who has done this for. I just took the liberty I couldn't resist with trying to understand this in the big picture because we talk a lot about this, but we don't sometimes step out. I like to look at things from 35,000 feet often, you know, and understand what really is the problem and how do we fix the problem. Uh, nationally speaking, and I want to then zone right back to Fort Worth in just a moment. Nationally speaking, in your opinion, are we doing the right, I mean, big question, are we doing the right job as a nation? You know, I think we're on, I think we're beginning to be on the right track. Wow. So wow. homelessness was not necessarily... You, you didn't have the level – homelessness really didn't become a national spotlight mm -hmm. until the late 70s, moving into the 80s. Right. And there was absolutely a, a policy change in the 80s mm -hmm. that began to um, put more people out on the streets. Okay. And for the first – until the – from the 80s and the 90s, really the answer was just to build emergency shelters and that was the solution to get that's people right. off the streets that's right it wasn't until the early 2000s we're only talking uh i'll just get i'll be generous we're only talking 20 years yeah um to where there has been a shift in the national discussion around mm -hmm. homelessness yeah it's shifted about 20 years ago um from being just emergency shelter to where there's a ser serious a focus on housing on, and on helping them. Well, uh, uh, on helping, right. hey, well, no, no. Hey, hey come on now. A, a serious uh, point to giving them, uh, showing them how to fish. Huh. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Before, right. yeah, they, they never. We never showed these people how to fish. It was always just try to give them a fish, and and and, and it wasn't a good fish either. Uh, but. Uh, in really and truly, and, and you're be and you're right when you say you're being very generous with that timeline. I would agree with that. I, I I don't agree with you with the 20 years. I think it's probably more last the last 10 to 15 and maybe 10 to 12 that I see where the nation. I agree with you in that sense that we've taken a shift of uh, consciousness. It, it really is a consciousness, is what I'm speaking about here. Yeah, um, and I think 15 is probably more realistic. All right. And uh, I'll, I'll negotiate you know, with you, Toby. I'll give yeah, you that. Okay. <laughs> I think that's more realistic than that. The focus really happened with 15 years. There was yeah. a change from a federal perspective within HUD and yeah. uh, what they would fund for. And um, within the last 10 years, there's definitely been a focus on housing, uh, either long-term housing or rapid rehousing has been the focus. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now we're in Fort Worth. Uh, you've got the three churches that come together. They, they again, they do what they got to do. Again, resolve. They, they have the resolve. They want to help people. Um, whether they did it from a gymnasium or they did it from a, it's, it's, you know, it's a matter of how you get the job done. It's not so much, uh, the means sometimes it's, it's an ends to a mean or means to an end, or let's just, let's just know what the goal is and, and get there. So it is about being resourceful. We have truly transitioned our agency to be more of a 
a homelessness ending organization. When did that and happen, Toby? When did that happen? Yeah, we started, um, we made a big shift about seven years ago. And let okay. me give you an example. So okay. when I started 10 years ago, or nine and a half, well, I'm in my 10th year. At the end of 2009, we had, we were able to identify 150 people that we helped in their homelessness, 150. If you fast forward till now, at the end of 2018, we had 1,024 people that we identified to help end their homelessness. So we have made a significant shift from being just a shelter to being a place to where we help people improve their lives and uh, and they end their homelessness rather than continuing to stay. So to me, that's our best achievement from 150 in 2009 to 1,024 at the end of 2018. I'm very proud of that because that says that we're doing our job, which means we're helping people end their homelessness. Mm. Um, so that's my proudest achievement for sure. Wow. Yeah, you're helping people find their life. Uh, they're, find their, they're getting their life back, you know. Right. Uh, that's that's more than I mean, homeless. It's more than even just not having a home. I mean, if you're homelessness, what have you got? I mean, you've it's, it's not even the lack of it's the lack of everything. Like like you say, and it's it, it just it, yeah. I just think a moment here. If you didn't have that, what would you do? Where do you be? You don't have that core central environment to to be at to to disconnect from to. It, 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 well, they say home is where the heart is. It's to have that moment, I guess, that, that resource. I mean, you, you've got to have the transition. Well, yeah. Right. And so that's the thing about them is when I read about it, they teach them job skill development, right? So they're exactly. kind of giving them those skills so they can go out into the workplace and take care of themselves. So that's why when I looked at this, I'm just thinking this it's is different. a transition center that's actually getting people off homelessness, like he's saying, ending it. So... That's, well, that, why that's why it's, so it's a case study. It's a, it's why it's a, it's a case study, uh, Kevin Ridley, I think, which is really, if I read this whole thing right, that's the Project Clean Slate part of it, right? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, Clean Slate is a, <clears throat> we started Clean Slate in uh, June of 2016, so it'll be three years old this summer. Now, let me give a little bit of background just so that you it kind of understand what when I'm talking about Clean Slate. So you asked a while ago about our financials and how, how do we raise money. It's my opinion that nonprofit organizations must diversify their funding in order for them to be long-term uh, sustainable. Okay. And uh, I've, we've, we have taken that serious to where we're trying to diversify our funding. And social enterprise basically is nonprofits creating for-profit opportunities that – one, benefit the get the clients that they serve, and if there's any net profit, it comes back to support the organization. And so what we did in 2016 is um, we had a generous donor, a, a foundation. They gave us $50,000 as seed money to get our social enterprise uh, program started. So we took that $50,000. We hired one staff member. And uh, that was a little, some of the money was her salary, not certainly not all of it. And our goal was to create a, an employment program to where we would go out and we would find work. We would go out and just like any other bona fide business, we would go and we would 
put in bids for various work and hoping that we would we would get that contract. And then the people that work that contract would be homeless with the idea that they would have an income, have the ability to save. And then within four months, they would leave the shelter, but remain in that job. And if we're at the end at the end of the year, if there's any net profit that we've been able to to have, then it would go straight back into the organization and it would uh, help pay the bills. And so Clean Slate was established in June of 2016. And uh, we have here are all the stuff that we do. We have commercial janitorial business. We have a litter pickup business, a staffing business. We have quite a few vending machines that we operate. We also have two commercial kitchens that we leased out so people can use those kitchens. Mm -hmm. We have a small retail spot where we lease that out to uh, a caterer as well and a photographer. Um, and then we, we do a couple of other smaller things, but we've, uh, we've developed all of these businesses. And um, so you go from June 2016, we received our first contract in September of 2016 to clean a local church. Right. You fast forward till today, we have 56 employees. Um, the majority, the vast majority, in fact, let's see, of, of the 56, we have 55 of them were from our shelter. They were currently, and uh, they were homeless. And we, so we have 56 employees. We have right about a million and one, a million one in, uh, contracted work and uh, it's been phenomenal we've been able to to put a lot of people to work which means they have been able wow. to save money and wow. to move out of homelessness and at the end of the day we've been able to put some money back into the organization to help mm -hmm. pay for food yeah. the light bill and things of that nature so yeah. it's been a it's been a great great program what a story toby what a story yeah. wow I mean, the fact that you're, I, I didn't realize that all those employees were actually previously homeless people. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. That is just something else. There, and, there's your, there's your brain thinker. I mean, talk about uh, creating an enterprise to help, you know, help homeless work right. and get off the system. It's amazing. It really is. Now, yeah, so I think that analogy that, mm -hmm. that whole fishing analogy, when, when I say that a while ago, so you also hear people say, that, and you mentioned it earlier, oftentimes the notion is someone that's home will just get a job. Well, okay, um, let's, let's figure out how we do that. And we took that to heart. And so okay. by helping people understand about how you get ready for a job, mm -hmm. how you act on the job, how you show up on time, how you work hard, that's the tackle box. That's the fishing pole that helps them learn how to fish. And yeah. uh I also believe that work brings dignity. Okay, all right. And and that is that is absolutely I'll correct. Totally even I even think of my son mm -hmm. early on when he was like you know going through high school and he felt he just didn't feel good about himself and he took a job and completely changed his his life. I think he had new perspective and appreciated saving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it without was, a doubt, it, it was night and day. Mm -hmm. Without yeah. a doubt. All right, so uh, I, so many questions and things are coming to my mind here with this last chapter. I, I did not realize that that was uh, that's an eye opener, man. That is really an eye opener. Uh, it, like I used the word case study early on, but now it really truly is a case study. Very very relevant here. 
let me just take a moment here and uh, identify everything we're doing here. And I, uh, You're listening to Toby Owen, friends. Uh, he's the CEO of uh, Presbyterian Night Shelter and Project Clean Slate out of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and it's a remarkable, remarkable story with these three churches that came together to combat homelessness. Um, you've heard us use some of the analogies that we've used, but I think they're very appropriate here. To me, I'm looking at this more from a national scope on um, uh, how can we help communities, get communities to, to help and um, uh, themselves, and you help people to help themselves. Uh, you, you, the, the analogy of the fish is just so perfect for this whole story here, friends. Um, the stories behind homelessness are remarkable to me. Uh, we just did the recent story I shared with you all um, about Lisa, uh, Lisa Kirk, and her unique story in Portland was another unique market of homelessness and how she reached out to them. I want to share that brief summary of that with Toby in a moment here, and I think with you all, so you know if you haven't heard that story, it's it's relevant to what we're speaking about right now today, and I'll tell you why it's relevant, and we'll do that, friends, in just a moment on the other side of the brink. Be right back with you. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. There are those people who are truly trying to fix homelessness. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever fix it per se. I mean, we'd like to think we can make a dent in it. Probably because there's a lot of circumstances. There's a lot of reasons why people find themselves in that moment a, a lot of these people toby from what i've gathered from what i understand and you know far more about this than i would but they seem to be broken they're broken people uh, i would use the phrase almost broken souls they become broken for a lot of reasons uh, I, almost any reason lost relationships people die in their lives things happen Drugs play a part sometimes, alcohol plays a part sometimes, crime plays a part sometimes, but they're broken souls a lot, and it becomes a almost a, uh, they don't know how to get out of it. And that's one I found, one of the major things I found about homelessness, they don't know how to reverse the cycle. They don't know how to get, they don't know how to fish, they don't know anything about it, and they're caught in this vicious cycle. Now, we recently just did a show, and I want to share this with you, Toby, and I think listeners will appreciate this. Some of you have heard this story of Lisa Kirk, and um, truly was uh, talking with her was another amazing gift. She came through a very difficult uh, uh, life uh, herself, uh, Toby, uh, a, a very um, a difficult upbringing with her father, a um, al- very severe alcoholic problem, um, uh, was hidden, uh, very abusive, 
she was a mag- she was attracted to the wrong people, made wrong decisions in her life. Uh, giving you the summary version of it, and uh, she also found herself in a very abusive uh, situation. This is what happens in our lives; it becomes cyclical in nature. Happened with this Lisa, and uh, she was uh, at a low point and was uh, fell down a flight of stairs and was punched in the face from the uh, man she was with and um, found herself at the lowest possible point and had to recoup from there. And the point is now, here's how she's making an impact uh, out there. She sees these people that are homelessness in Portland. Portland has a major homelessness problem, Toby. You know that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, she sees these lost souls and they've moved her. She's been moved by them. And it started not too long back here, uh, just a few years back, where she had a gentleman and she she was moved by him and didn't quite know how to help him, but she gave him a journal, a journal with a note in there and told him that he really mattered. He really mattered. And uh, she put an inspirational message in there and she put a few dollars in there. Did I think she described it as five or ten bucks the time not much but something with a very positive message this guy who had a track record of a less than stellar track record of doing some robberies and criminal activities and stuff that was he was never going to ever be proud of and he wrote it he was moved by her message in a way that nobody had ever taken the time before and he, he wrote back to her, and he wrote in this journal, rather. And I don't even know that it was necessarily back to her, but he wrote in this journal, Toby, some honest feelings and thoughts. I guess it was to Lisa in such a way. And she got the journal back from him. He, he handed the journal back to her when he seen it. And she read the story, was moved again, and wrote back to him and put a few dollars more in. It went back and forth seven times, or so she says, in a really interesting way. And she then helped him transition by getting uh, everything, a job and a life. And she just helped the man, just felt the passion to help him. He now is in school, going to college to be a counselor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be a counselor. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he was, he's 53 years old, and he became homeless when he was 13. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, come on, people. I mean, like, this is like, this is like a Mother Teresa moment, you know? And, right, and, she, and, and she's done it, and she's done it with 13 different people yeah, yeah so that's, that's the right. thing now so she i asked her so she's doing it yeah she's done them with these journals i mean it takes time to do this she's fostering a relationship with the people and she sees this in portland and here's the thing what really moved me about her story when i seen it when it was shared with me she makes it she's not out to you know build rome She's not out to build this or do that, or she's not out to whatever. She's out to do it one person at a time. It's all she, she's just worried about that person who's in front of her. One person, one moment at a time. There's something significant about that, Toby. Yeah, there is. And I, there, I, would, I would just say something on that, that why she is making a difference Here's what I think. So many, there are a lot of people that care for the homeless, for homeless people. There's a, you know, in Fort Worth particularly, and I know across the country, there are a lot of people that, that have a desire to help. 
Where oftentimes it goes to, though, it's more of that transactional type of helping, meaning let me give you a sandwich, let me give you a dollar bill, let me give you a sleeping bag, things. It's transactional. Mm -hmm. And although that is helpful in the moment, Mm -hmm. it doesn't get to the heart of the matter to where it would make a difference. So what this person, this lady is doing is she's not doing the transactional type of assistance. She's doing the relational approach to where she is developing a relationship and she's getting to know that homeless person, not as a homeless person, but as a person. And that's where you begin to help someone rebuild their self-esteem that's it. and that's to be able to see that there's value there. Yeah. And, uh, so going away from that transactional helping to relational helping, that's where it's at. That's where you see real progress. And you can go back and listen to that story with um, with her, Lisa Kirk, on uh, Brink of Greatness, friends. Brinkofgreatness.com. You'll find it uh, there. Uh, and, you know, Toby, you said there are people who truly want to make a difference out there, and you are 100% right. We interviewed another interesting lady. I want to tell you real brief, just in the past weeks here, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Deborah Snyder, uh, who was uh, a military uh, woman who was tired of walking over people, uh, thought, uh, you know, like a lot in these cities and towns, and see, or I say walking over as a metaphor, but seeing people that were, um, you know, in the way. (laughs) Uh, That's another metaphor, right, uh, Toby? You know what all that means, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, we know what that means here, but, and she uh, felt she had to do something about it. And she has, she did, and she's doing it. And we talked about it. We exposed it here. And then there's the other one that, uh, uh, you know, Kevin talked about moments ago, Jock out of the uh, George area somewhere there in Georgia. I, he is making a, uh, truly making a difference and uh, very another big soul, uh, uh, you know, try, and trying to think along the lines of what you're all doing, which Kevin knows that about the transitional part of it. Uh, we totally understand here on the brink about the transitional part of it. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is bring these stories to light. Uh, I'm, um, uh, you really have a, a, like I said, a case study and a history here of what you are doing uh, there in Fort Worth is remarkable, remarkable. But here's the thing I want to talk about next now uh, is what I really dig about your story, Toby Owen, is this. Uh, sure, the fish thing, I, I get it. And the fact that they're, the, they're working for you, absolutely. I just love that. But what I really like is that you are using capitalism. You're using capitalism in such a cool way, in a significant way, uh, in, in a way that is combating uh, a problem uh, that there is really limited answers for because you can't just keep throwing money at it. You can't just keep giving them the sandwich because it never fixes the problem. And throwing money at it, it's like when they're in the middle of the intersections and you stop and the same guy's there every day. He's looking for his 5 or $10 for his next bottle of beer or his pack of cigarettes, and that is happening, or whatever it is. Uh, it's never going to fix the problem. There are, there's something behind that problem, and it's never going to get fixed. And that's, that's what I see what really gets me about you is I just love what you're doing. And, and, and it's only been in these last few years you've done it, which shows that this is sort of now morphed into something truly unique. And probably you as the CEO here, you've had your hands on a lot of this 
you've only been there 10 years, but it's really been in the last three, four years that this has all really blown up is what I've gathered from your story. I think that's what I've garnered from it anyways. And I think that's really remarkable, Toby. And I, I just think that using capitalism in the way that you can get those kind of results, I think is a tremendous high here, you know? Well, thank you. I um, certainly appreciate that. I, I, let me tell you, I'll be the first to admit that it is not just me. We've had some wonderful board of directors. There's a, a, a board member that uh, really got us started down this road, thinking through it several years ago. And I've got a great group of staff that really carry the load. Um, and as far as, so it's not just me, it's a whole team of us. But Well, I wanted to yeah, ask you something about that, Toby, because I meant uh -huh. to ask you earlier, and i got to ask you. So these, these businesses now, when you I'm just curious here. I think everybody will appreciate this. As CEO... Uh, as chief executive officer of this operation here, what about all these other individual businesses? Are, uh, do they also come under your uh, uh, your um, thumbprint, or is there a CEO for each one of those? No, there is. I, it's definitely not underneath all underneath my uh, my thumbprint. We have thirty two contracts, and uh, wow. I'd be working a million hours a week. Well, if that's I what I was wondering how you did yeah. it all, brother. I was going yeah, to I've say. Got a, I have a an excellent um, okay. person that runs our social enterprise. She's our director of social enterprise. Um, she uh, is a graduate of our uh, TCU, Texas Christian University, and uh, she has done a marvelous job in taking this program. And really making it something. So it, uh, you know, I, I play a part, but she certainly plays okay. a, a much larger part in making this happen. As far as you were mentioning um, uh, capitalism and, and taking this yeah. from a business perspective, man, I just see it as something that uh, it was just a great fit. And exactly, I don't, see, I don't see anything wrong with it. We're trying to anything wrong with it. Everything's yeah, right with it. Everything's. <laughs> I see. You know, sometimes you would get folks saying nonprofits shouldn't be doing this sort of thing, but we have got to uh, raise dollars and we have got to make a difference for our clients. And so I see them uh, bringing them two together is just a win-win. Uh, Toby, and, my, my point of this is this is a case study role model we should roll out uh, nationwide, nationwide. I mean, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Have, ha, have other cities come to you and, you know, looked into your or organization and you know, modeled after you? Because it just seems like, you know, after reading all this and listening to you, you've got it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we um, we've been very blessed. Um, we've had a number of. Uh, let me just say this real quick. We had a it was about this time last year. We one of our our local NBC affiliate did a story, uh, uh, Scott Gordon did a story, a brief news story about our Clean Slate program. And it was then on Facebook and then a couple of other web or uh, Facebook or not Facebook, but social media outlets picked it up. That video, initial video, has had almost 60 million views. Wow. It's been amazing the, the impact it's had. And we have had a number of communities that have asked us uh, and called and asked about what we're doing. Hmm. Um, I can say that uh, I'm very thankful. It was really a really great moment. Uh, this past fall, there was a nonprofit in Philadelphia that uh, took what we were doing and they, they made it their own in Philadelphia. In a couple of weeks, we have a, a second visit from a city in North Carolina that is looking at this version. Excellent. Um, the city Excellent. of Dallas, uh, just 30 miles to the east, city right. of Dallas, they 
they took this and they're molding it to what will work Amen. for them. So perfect. It's um, it's been really good. It's, it's been perfect. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in North. I'm in North Carolina. So yeah, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, amen to that. And uh, I, I want to, you know, let's get the word out there, uh, friends, that you're listening here. Uh, you got to push this out again. Um, uh, Toby mentioned $60 million there. So, you know, we, we'd be happy with $30 million on this one. Please circulate this <laughs> thing so people know uh, what Toby, Owen, oh, what the group there is doing. Like he said, it is a team. There's no doubt you can't accomplish this it without a team. It is definitely a team. Absolutely, yeah. The Presbyterian Night Shelter and Project Clean Slate. Now, listen, let me get you the website. It is a really cool name. It is journeyhome.org. Journeyhome.org. What a great name uh, for that uh, website and for that organization because, I mean, (laughs) that's what it should be, right? It's a journey home. Uh, That's what these people need. Uh, They need a place. They need that uh, place they can put, as I say, very simple terms, people. We all need a place we can put our head on our pillow at night and feel like it's ours. I mean, that's what we need. Whatever that means, it means. Home is where you are. It's where your heart is. It's not about the possessions. It's about your mindset and where you are in life. And uh, You know, life, uh, we talk about all these heavy topics here, but I, I just like to simplify everything in its simplest form for all of us so we get it. We get it. And, and what better thing in this life than to help thy fellow man? Friends, thank you again for being here, and we, we appreciate you taking these stories and, and really understanding the importance of them. And the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and the limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward. Mm-hmm.